Hey guys and welcome. Apologies for putting this out so late and you know not doing it in between for a long time because I get pretty lazy when it comes to editing and it didn't help that K Electric just decides to cut my electricity whenever they deem necessary and not follow their schedule. Football's back and uh, you know Ar- Arsenal's playing again and they're actually doing good uh, since the past two weeks. What about you? Kati, how's your team doing? Well, the thing is, I think this is just a conspiracy of not getting me to not talk about St. Pauli. Because right as my league ended, you decided it was time to upload a podcast. <laughs> uh, so, I'll be watching like the Premier League and La Liga mainly from now oh on. Oh my god, you're actually going to watch a top league. Wow. What? I watched the Bundesliga. That is the top league. That's the second best yeah, league. Yeah. Oh, fine. Okay. But um, life is great. I mean, my team survived relegation. So, yeah. We finished 13th. Wow. We finished 13th. Survived relegation in the second division of German football. Yes. But that's not really the good news. The good news is that Hamburg lost on the last day. Yeah, yeah. I've been seeing this all over my timeline thanks to you. Hamburg lost on the last day and didn't get promoted to the Bundesliga and this is the best news I've ever heard in my entire life. Like from now on, I will worship <laughs> Tandhausen. Tandhausen is the best club in the world because they met, they beat Hamburg on the last day when they could get promoted 5-1. I mean, this this story you're telling me reminds me a lot of the time Ar- Arsenal and Tottenham were fighting for fourth position in the Premier League on the last day of the league. And Tottenham were above us, and all they had to do was get a point, and we had to win to overtake them. And Arsenal won like four or five nil against like West Brom, I think it was. We won four nil, and Tottenham lost four nil at home to relegated Newcastle, and we got the last Champions League spot. Oh yeah, remember when Arsenal and Tottenham were fighting for Champions League? Yeah, shut up. Okay, we're doing fine now. Uh, I'm, I'm yeah, actually in a pretty good mood as far as Arsenal is concerned. The, after lockdown, when we came back, players looked a bit rusty. David Luiz turned into sideshow Bob for a couple of games. But we've picked up our form again. We beat Sheffield pretty convincingly. And then last night, we beat... Uh, wait, who did we beat? Norwich, yeah. We beat Norwich 4-0. So that was, that was actually a decent performance. So I'm, I'm in a good mood. For once. Yeah, so for once, both of us are oh, in the mood. the wonder kid, Bukai Osaka, signed a new long-term contract. Okay. When people talk about long-term contracts and I realize quarantine means that our entire budget is 4 million euros. <laughs> yeah. I mean, considering Arsenal spending, I mean, we, we must be spending less than that considering all we're doing is making loan moves permanent at this point. There's no real links to any players other than Thomas Party, which you're just going to see every single day in the papers. I think that's also what we're going to do. Like, basically, this season, we had a lot of just youngsters on loan. That was the yeah. entire Valley squad. So I think all they're going to do is just finalize those. I am praying to God Brighton does not ask for Victor Gairokis back. because Where we- does he play? He plays as striker. So basically, what we do is that we have two players in each position. One of them is usually older and more experienced, and one of them is really young. Right, so there's no way they're going to recall Guy Rokius, considering they have Neil Mopai and Leandro Trossard for those positions. Trossard mostly plays on the wing, though. 
And yeah, we, no, he, he mostly plays on the wing, but I say him at striker because I'm assuming when Jose Izquierdo out there, first choice winger before uh, Trossard was signed, comes back fit, that he's also going to be available to play that position. Also, they have Aaron Connolly who plays as like the center forward behind the striker. I think Aaron Connolly isn't that great. So, And if they decide to have reinforcements to switch to a two-striker team at some point. Yeah, yeah that, that could be something. Yeah, but the thing is, we need him alongside Tashi in order to have an attack that survives in the league next season because this season was... This was a pretty bad season, I, I must say. The, yeah. only, <laughs> the only good thing about the season is that we won both derbies against Hamburg and they didn't get promoted. Yeah. That, that's it. But I actually want to stand a chance of being promoted. Yeah, I mean, with the squad building you guys have currently, it's going to take a couple of years to do that. Yeah, but hopefully it might happen. But I don't think anybody wants us to ramble about our teams. Both of us are happy with recent results. Someone yeah, who might but have... I mean, my team's a banter club. Yours, no one knows about. So let's move on to teams and football games that people actually care about in the weekly roundup. So someone who might be happy... I mean, we're happy. Someone who might not be happy is United fans. Why won't United fans be ha- happy? Dude, Liverpool won the league. What the fuck is wrong with you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you could have said... <laughs> and you, could have said you could have said a number of teams. There. I was like, why would United fans not be happy? They just won three games on the chart. Two of them being three nils. Uh, okay, yeah. In the bigger scheme of things. Yeah, they've been roasted on Twitter. Left, right and center. Uh, yeah, so, I mean... Liverpool won the league. I mean, I mean absolutely player. fair play. I, I the hats off to Jurgen Klopp, and that guy came in when this team was had Mario Balotelli and Ricky Lambert and their two up top. Imagine and, that, and look at where they are now. Don't disrespect Super Mario, okay? The guy's a I guy. will disrespect Super Mario as much as I want because he was terrible for Liverpool. He was absolutely horrific for Liverpool. Terrible for Liverpool, great for Italy, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah, whatever. But, you know, you look at the team Jurgen Klopp had when he first came, I believe it was the 2015-16 season, and you look at where they are now, and he's literally every single year just taken the team up a level and another level. I mean, I think Klopp can actually make a dynasty. Like, if there can... Absolutely. If there is a successor to Sir Alex Ferguson, it's going to be Klopp. I mean, it's not going to be bad. We all know that. Yeah, I mean, because when you try to make a dynasty, when you look at past Premier League dynasties, every team, I saw this on another podcast, the True Jordy podcast, and I was, I really like this comment that I think uh, one of his friends made on the on the podcast. It was that most dynasties you associate when you have a manager there and a club there, the environment. There's a lot of romanticism around it, you know, how they view the manager and how they view the football they play and the connection the fans have with the club. Pep Guardiola has no romanticism with Man City whatsoever. He could leave tomorrow. They could be sad about it, but they're not going to be like, oh, we just lost a part of us when when he left, you know? I think at this point, Klopp has that connection. Exactly. That's what I'm trying to say, that... From the first day when Klopp came, he tried to implement something and he tried to change the mindset around the club. He changed so many things about it. And he won the league 
in a way where teams in recent past haven't been able to do it, you know, you know, disregarding the Leicester season where pretty much all the teams in the past five to seven years who won it were spending crazy amounts of money, uh, you know, net spends of 100 million per window to try and get where they got, switching managers. Liverpool did it with a consistent, great scouting and transfer strategy. And they've made, I didn't actually know this until today, I was on Twitter and the Swiss ramble. The king of football finance on Twitter was, he basically said that Liverpool, since Klopp came in, have made a higher profit than Man City, of course, uh, Tottenham, Arsenal, and United. Chelsea made money off of player sales, but I mean, other than that, you look at what they've done and the dynasty they've created, it's, it's, it's respectable for me as an Arsenal fan. And I was looking at the finances, like the amount of money spent each window. Uh, in before winning the title, and City was around two hundred and fifty million. Uh, Leicester was twenty million. Liverpool were eight million. Yeah, I believe the only signing they made is Minamino in January. That is crazy. Yeah, like, like building up such a great team over the past few windows, and then making them gel together and play the way that they do. I mean, yeah. I. Th- I think anybody's going to be stupid to debate because they didn't deserve to win the league. Yeah, and when you look at how they play and how the play has developed too, uh, you know, when they came in, it was this ridiculous Jagan pressing, crazy stamina. And you thought at that point that if they didn't win the league within three to four seasons, which they are now, but you would, you would have said this at the start, that the players are probably going to get burnt out and going to need a season to just, you know, cool down and drop off a bit. But the way the play has developed, where the pressing has not intensified, but become more efficient, pressing in certain areas and positionally, I think it's just been really smart from club to do that. And something that we've seen um, being brought up a lot is the Pep versus club debate, which we might address at some point. But all I want to say is I think this is the first time that I have seen club have a better team than Pep. And... I don't see Pep winning against Klopp anytime soon. I, don't I mean, it... we'll find out this weekend when Man City have to give the guard of honor to Liverpool at the Etihad. I mean, but like, I just don't know. Like, it doesn't really make a difference to me because the crowd isn't there. It makes a difference to the players because I think I think we have a great chance of seeing the birth of a new Premier League classic derby this weekend. Like, you can just imagine how emotions can boil over in games like this when you're handing the baton over to a team that, you know, literally has them going neck and neck with you. And I think the spark, if sparks fly and some commotion, some fight, something happens, we could see some ridiculous animosity between these clubs in yeah, the future. This, this can be an Arsenal-United situation. Exactly. That's, that was exactly what I had in my mind. Because two managers who historically have clashed in how they view football and how their teams play and been at the top competing against each other for so long, you know, it's very natural that that kind of rivalry can happen. That's also like you have to understand that this rivalry between Dortmund and Bayern was made the same way. This derby didn't exist. Yeah. They, they play in completely different geographical regions. So there's no reason for this derby to exist. The only reason it exists is because these are, these were the two teams. Both of the top two. 
teams. Top two in teams in the country. It's the same for Inter and Juve because yeah, they've historically dominated the domestic scene. Milan mostly focused on the European scene and didn't really focus on the domestic scene. Yeah, and we've yeah, Juve and Inter have had cup finals against each other. They've had last day derbies. They've had title deciders between them. And also, it's like just general hatred towards one another, which just adds to it. But in yeah. Brazil, because Klopp and Pep have also ha- participated in the same kind of rivalry in the Dirt Classical, I think this can be something that's really interesting. I'll definitely watch that game, though. I mean, yeah, the whole world is going to be tuned in for that one. Because I think even behind closed doors, both of these teams have been performing really, really well. Man City, le- less so. They lost against Chelsea, I believe, uh, last weekend, which was an interesting game. And we'll get on to that in the, in, with my player of the week choice. Uh, we can move on now to uh, Syria and the Coppa Italia, which for once, Juventus didn't win. I mean, Juventus didn't win last year either. Lazio won that. Oh, oh. You, you see, I just don't care about Italian football as much because for me, it's almost a foregone conclusion that Juventus is going to win or be in the final of the Cups. At this point, I mean, I can see that. I Okay, so this was like a few years ago and Napoli of all teams won the trophy. I would be fuming, but... Right now, I think Juve just deserve it, dude. Like, at this point, Juve embody everything that's terrible about football. <laughs> if they don't change their ways, I actually don't want to see them succeed at this point. Like, I don't care. This is not the club. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, to be fair, after lockdown, I've been seeing some Juventus games. And wow, uh, some of the football they're playing now. Because finally, Bernadeschi is getting a good run in the team again after not being in it for the first half of the yeah, season for most true. parts of it. And Dybala and Cristiano are also gelling together. Wow, but... yeah. And I mean, people talk about Cristiano, but every single headline I see, Ronaldo, Thunder, Strike, this, that. In the same games, Dybala is going, scoring a goal almost two times harder than that. Every single game. Yeah, but the boy I, is ridiculous. I know, man. I met Dybala a couple of years ago, and it was like one of the best experiences of my entire life. You what? Yeah, I met Dybala in Dubai. I've told you this before. You never told me this. Okay, send me the picture. We'll talk about this later. But like yeah. seriously, Paolo Dybala is—he's incredible. It's—it's it's absolutely unfathomable to think that on deadline day, 2019 summer window, he was gonna join Tottenham. I mean, yeah, that was... I mean, I wanted that to happen at that point because I just didn't want Juve to succeed anymore, but... That uh, is... He literally said no for footballing reasons. Everything was agreed. (laughs) Yeah, I know, but the thing at this point is... I know, as a neutral, you enjoy Juventus' style of football. Yeah, absolutely. As who was historically a Juventus fan, I am going to hate it because... the Because it doesn't follow the philosophy you guys had. Up, exactly. up, up until the point where Sarri came in. Exactly. We're supposed to be a defensive team. We're supposed to have the best defense in the world. For years, I used to talk about the BBC, the BBC, the BBC, the best defense, in my opinion, the world had ever seen. I mean, you could call it the BBBC, to be fair. Get, yeah. Put some respect on Buffon's name. Yeah, Buffon's the best keeper of all time. There's no debate about that. But, uh, of course, there's debate about that, but we're not going to have it right now. We we can do that some other day. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good one actually. But yeah, 
I mean, if I don't see Juve playing defensive football, that's just not Juve to me. And considering mm-hmm. they now play one, they don't even play in stripes anymore. Two, they changed the logo. Three, they changed the style of football. And I think even if if the ultras aren't coming up to the stadium and they aren't supporting the team, I don't think any true fans are. The ultras basically blocked their participation in team games a year and a half ago and they haven't shown up to a single game except for the one Atletico game in which Juve were about to get knocked out and Ronaldo scored that hat-trick. Yeah. So that's the only game Clutch. that yeah, that's the only game that the Curva Nord have attended in the past year and a half. Yeah, it's a real disconnect between the fans and the club at this point for Juventus. I mean, at this point like most most like Juve fans are just going and either supporting second teams and like mo- some of them like the hardcore ones that I talk to like I'm on international groups with Juve fans and they just say okay, listen even if we want to stream Juve games we pirate the streams because we don't want to give the Anelli family petty I like it it's not even petty it's just like you destroyed a club that we had a connection to you didn't you used it for monetary reasons to get rich what, what you can say about Juventus is that even with all the changes, they haven't dropped from their perch as the best league team in Serie A, at least. Um, it's, uh, it's a steady drop. I mean, a couple of years ago, I couldn't even think of losing the sub- Supercoppa Italiana. They lost the Supercoppa Italiana. Yeah, no, the- absolutely. Of course, there's going to be a drop from the, you know, usually it's the Juventus win by like April in a normal season. But uh, yes, at least, yeah. It's okay. Juventus usually win the domestic treble. All right. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's not been happening. We lost a major trophy. I mean, why am I saying we? I don't support them. Uh, Juve lost a major trophy this year, which is the Coppa Italia, and it went to the team that basically they hate the most. Like at Napoli. this, at this point, they don't hate anybody more because Napoli is just petty. Like when Ronaldo signs, mm-hmm. started- Napoli is an incredibly interesting team because winning this and the squad rebuild that they're trying to plan out, it's really they're the only team willing to do proper transfer business in this but, window. Uh, the thing with Napoli is like Napoli fans are incredibly petty. Like Napoli fans, when Ronaldo signed, they started telling like tissue paper. With like toilet paper with Ronaldo's face on it, then after they won the trophy, they started <laughs> they started making Juventus ice cream and said it's only certain cones because you you didn't win the cup. Oh yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. I mean, like Napoli fans are just annoying. Like I I don't know. That's what. a good one. <laughs> that's it. Okay, they're, they're like it's like pure shit, obviously. And like as a I new mean, team, right? I mean, as someone who doesn't really watch Serie A, I think my favorite team from Serie A recently has been Napoli because of the f- f- football they've played. Atalanta. What is wrong At- with you? Atalanta the past couple of years. I'm saying from the time when I was watching a bit more, I only started getting back into it because of last year's uh, Atalanta team. But if I talk about from when I started watching football when I was 11, 12, it was me watching Napoli, you know, because they had a few characters and good players on the team. Marek Hamšík, Higuain, Cavani, three, four players who were, you know, pushing to win the league for the team so many times. I mean, they weren't really pushing to like four years ago, but yeah, I get your point. Uh, yeah. For me, for me, historically, like uh, Serie A and Bundesliga were my favorite leagues. Yeah, I mean, the Bundesliga is an interesting place right now because um, you have... 
the you know traditional top two of Dortmund and Bayern, but Leipzig and even Gladbach this year have pushed really hard to you know push them right to the last game to win the league, but Bayern still pulled through. One thing I have to say is one team that people overlook in the Bundesliga all the time is Frankfurt. Leverkusen. Oh, Fre- Frankfurt. Freiburg. Freiburg. Freiburg is amazing. If you check their squad, a lot of players are incredibly young with a lot of potential. They get Where have they fi- finished or where are Freib- they currently positioned this season? Freiburg finished 8th. Okay. Which is and- very good for mm-hmm. a team which is usually struggling for relegation. Yeah, I mean, uh, Freiburg in the past couple of seasons had... Do they still have Nils Peterson as the club captain and striker? Yeah, they do. He doesn't really play that much. Yeah, Probably. I remember one season where he was super no way, scoring like 20 league goals. Yeah, but that's that like happens in the Bundesliga like every season or two. Like yeah, there's always a couple of strikers who just come out of nowhere. Like Bundesliga has the most goals out of like any other league. And mostly like... I mean, there was a point where Mario Mandzukic scored 30 goals in the Bundesliga. Right? <laughs> that, was, that was the time Bas Dost was hitting 20 a season. Yeah, geez, Bas Dost. I mean, I don't care what people say. Bas Dost is one of like the most entertaining players I've ever seen. Entertaining? He is a, he's a entertaining? You could have said anything but entertaining and I would not have made a problem with it. But he is not entertaining. He gets the ball lobbed up to him. He's good athletically in the air to win headers and put them into corners. That's it. And uh, but right now, Freiburg starts Walschmidt up front. Walschmidt is basically one of the best players at the moment. This guy mm-hmm. has been destroyed. Has destroyed the entire league. Like this, this last week, his game against Schalke, like on the last week of the season, was amazing. He got a nine point four rating. Why who scored? That's mad. Oh, yeah, it's, that's a good rating. Yeah, but obviously, I mean, Bayern, Bayern won the league. Yeah, and they uh, did it in pretty convincingly and with a great team. Like midway when they changed manager, since that point, they've looked like a completely new team. They look unstoppable. See, this is this is what I tell people. Okay, when you watch the Bundesliga, you can make judgments. When you don't, you don't get to. Because people were telling me all the time, what is wrong with Bayern? Why aren't they getting Pochettino? Who is this Hansi Flick guy? I was like, listen, he's great. Just wait. Yeah. And then he literally showed everyone how good he is. Like, this guy is honestly amazing. This like, team while... looks very well set to perform uh, incredibly well in the new Champions League format. I would not be surprised if they won the Champions League. Like, Yeah, I, I mean... In one game, if you had to back a team to be defensively sound and attackingly, you know, attacking-wise, get the goals to do the job, I think you have to put Bayern on top of that list. But in the new Champions League format, I, you know, you remember when the season started and I bet on Atalanta winning the Champions League and everyone thought I was an idiot? Oh, yeah, Atalanta could be a shout for this new Champions League format. Exactly. So, I mean, I think I, I might just win that bet. Like I bet that oh, they would. Wow. I I bet that they would win it, and I oh, was. Wow. Oh, wow. I I did that just because I really believed in the team, and I. This know was how. a blessing in disguise because in any other format, if they're going away, Atlanta, like if who are they playing in the quarterfinal? I believe it it is or the round of sixteen. Uh, round of sixteen is still like Leon has to play Juve, uh, but the court. 
the for other teams quarterfinals are set let me check it's been such a huge long while yeah yeah atalanta beat valencia in that ridiculous yeah. game where elicic scored four goals dude elicic wow yeah take but i mean this is basically going to be a pretty interesting thing cuz like it's in a neutral location and like considering atalanta didn't even play at home cuz the stadium's not good enough they yeah. basically <laughs> yeah. yeah so it doesn't make any difference to them whether or not they had played at home anyway yeah exactly cuz like they were playing at the gusiapa miazza yeah or the san zero as some people like to call it yeah Yeah, oh, oh, okay. Well, I I guess that's a pretty good weekly roundup. Then let's get on to the team of the week and player of the week in the next section. All right. So now we're going to talk about our teams of the week and our players of the week. And first we're going to talk about team of the week. So my team of the week sadly is Real Madrid. Why sadly? I mean They I mean, just took top spot in La Liga. Yeah, exactly. Who wants uh, Madrid to win the league? Uh, I mean, I would. I'd rather them than Barcelona, honestly. I don't want Barcelona to get any credit or Ooh, award is, whatsoever for that how is, they've been handling their transfer strategy. They don't deserve anything on this planet. That, that is blasphemy, dude. I mean, no. Barcelona is a lot more likable than Real Madrid is. You have to admit that. Uh by the way when it comes to La Liga as much as I like how Barcelona play there's just been a part of me that just loves Real Madrid for the shithousery I just love it their mentality is so strong I mean I understand that cuz you support Arsenal even Arsenal are the villains in the Arsenal Tottenham rivalry What yeah 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 to be fair yeah yeah, yeah we are Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I mean you have this attachment to like evil club so I mean, we came over and we took over we're not evil we're better than tottenham okay yeah you don't even play in north london dude we play in north london oh you play in north, north london you're not from north london yeah we're not from north london but yeah sure so um real madrid took top spot after barcelona dropped points twice one of them against atletico madrid that was a two mashallah that was a two true draw which is Pretty upsetting, considering how good Messi was. Did you see that goal? Did you see uh, that? Which goal? I honestly did not. I'm one of the main regrets I'm gonna have when I'm done watching football is I did not see enough of Lionel Messi because I was busy watching West Brom Brentford <laughs> stuff um, like that. Uh, and I mean, what's depressing is Barcelona also drew against Celta Vigo. Oh, but you, I mean, they could have scored more in that game, but you've got to give it to Iago Aspas, 88th minute, free kick. Wow. Um, I'm not going to give them any credit because I also hate, um, what do they call it? Salta Vigo. I have personal biases against a lot of teams, if you don't know. Yeah, you just refuse to accept when a team has done good because you don't like something about them. It's It's quite weird. You should really get over this. All right. So, but yeah, Real Madrid. Real Madrid have been doing well when it comes to grinding results. Like you have to give them the credit. They're winning. They're like Juve usually. They play shit, but they win. But that's also what Liverpool did for at least forty to fifty percent of the season. They, ooh, ooh, hot take. I I don't think they were that bad. More like they, were, they weren't bad. It's not like they were outright winners in each and every game, but they won each and every game. Yeah, but I mean that's almost a. 
part of their strategy at this point is to just outrun and outwork the other team and have a decent amount of control where there needs to be. You know? Yeah, and one like I have to give Real Madrid the credit for having the mentality of winning the league. Absolutely, and Karim Benzema just turns into Guti every now and then. Ridiculous assist. Have you seen the link up between Benzema and Hazard? It's amazing. Yeah, I mean Hazard seems to finally have burnt off that fat from the summer, and he looks in decent fitness and shape to now actually, you know, get his career at Real Madrid up and going. But I would still like I still hold on to my statement that Thorgan Hazard is the better Hazard. I, I'm I'm really willing to back that statement. I'm actually on board with you on that. At this point, like I said this at the 2018 World Cup, and everybody yeah, yeah, no. And now you can see why I said that. Thorgan Hazard. Deserves- I understand that because Thorgan Hazard is more direct. As fun it is to see Hazard dribble ten people. You've got to do something at the end of it. And football, it's very results-based. And also, and Thorgan, when people and when the season ends and people are like, "Oh, has Eden Hazard in, um, had an amazing season," and you see his stats and he has ten goals and five assists, and his brothers got like thirty or something, you see the problem. I think like Hazard is also more hyped up because he played for Chelsea. Oh no, he was incredible for Chelsea. I would put him in my probably would put him in my team of the decade for the Premier League, but. What I'm trying to say is that Thorgan Hazard, at his age already, has a better goal threat than Hazard than Eden Hazard had in his prime. And one thing like I that I have against the Premier League is that players in Premier League just get more attention. Like Gladbach, like Gladbach is the Bundesliga's Chelsea, right? I mean, they are up there. They're a really good team, but like. He just didn't get the credit he deserved. And like, if you watched, you remember that iconic game, Japan versus Belgium in the World Cup. Yep. Belgium would not have won if not with Thorgan Hazard. Yeah, that's true. He set up. He set up three games. Oh wow, I I didn't remember that about it. But yeah, that that that's great. That guy plays for the team. Hazard plays to impress the fans. Yeah, no, he's a showboater. He always was from his days at Lille. Lille just has a thing of producing players like this. I swear. <laughs> I mean, this is why, like, I don't give Neymar as much credit as other people do. Neymar's yeah, great. Yeah, no, for me, for me, I when I see that guy, he is one of probably at this point in time when he's on, when he's fit, when he's playing in a game where he's actually trying to be serious, he's probably my favorite player to watch on the planet. That's that's a very very. very he is incredible. Yeah. He has the way he moves the ball, the way he links play. Uh, his free roam strategy from left wing is ridiculous. His unbelievable I mean, skill. But then, but then again, like we also watch and prefer very different kinds of football. If you yeah, ask no. me, you prefer you, you would prefer uh, watching Chiellini in his prime to watching probably I don't know Ronaldo in his prime. I would prefer yeah. Ronaldo. I mean, yeah, I agree with that. But like when it comes to attacking players, my favorite player of all time. I mean, after Cruyff, but then I can't say Cruyff because I'm. I've not seen him play live. I've just seen highlights and stuff. But I would definitely say Thomas Muller is my favorite player of all time when it comes to attacking. Ooh, jeez. Yeah, Thomas, I can understand. Thomas Muller your... is a fun to watch person, especially if you yeah. know German tactics. And this Thomas... season, oh my God. He t- his ball, his final ball is ridiculous. So accurate, so for accurate. Me, 
for me the depression that most football fans will go through when ronaldo retires that is the depression i will go through when muller finally hangs up the boots yeah thomas muller is a one of a kind player you remember this guy in the 2006 2010 world cups 2014 was a completely different thing 2010 he was just fun to watch this guy was all over the place that fun. 2010 germany team was really really nice thomas muller that a young mesedozo running the show that was a really fun fun that is, that is one of the teams that for me is like you know pure nostalgia like i used to love watching schweinsteiger play i used to love yeah watching. yeah facts so, that was a really good team All of these players are amazing. Like at this point, there I don't think there is any midfielder who is ever going to be for me as fun to watch as Bastian Schweinsteiger and Xabi Alonso. Yeah, Xabi Alonso. No, for me, honestly, I I've seen enough games of this guy to say he's probably my favorite. Uh, it's a tie between Cesc Fabregas from his final season at Arsenal. Or Thiago uh, from his time at Bayern. Thiago Alagantara. That's a yeah. Very, very. I mean, just too aesthetically yeah. pleasing. Just too aesthetically pleasing for a football purist to see him move the ball. He's fluid. He's literally one with the ball. The reason I don't put Thiago up there is because he's injured so much of the time. Oh yeah, but oh, when I... he is playing, he's so effective. Do you remember the time when Thiago was the lesser-rated brother? Oh yeah, that was incredible. I can't. Rafinha is, I think, is at Celta now, right? Yeah, yeah, he's fun, dude. I don't know what happened to that dude. Uh, yeah, we got sidetracked quite a bit there. We were talking about La Liga. Oh yeah, so La Liga. <laughs> another another very interesting thing that happened is Hetafe won against Bilbao, which means that they might get Europa League this season. Oh wow! Okay. And, and they're like, this was a really good game. Like for me, as you know, like in La Liga, I support the Basque clubs. I mean Bilbao Sociedad they always want them to do well and Sociedad's team is amazing right? and it's interesting you're saying all of this when you picked Real Madrid as your team of the week Oh yeah that too but I mean <laughs> we need to talk about the, the for Real Madrid the only thing you have to say is that Real Madrid basically got team of the week because they're first and that is not because of them being particularly great it's about everyone else being shit and by everyone else I mean Barcelona Yeah, I mean, but you have to give them credit. They kept two clean sheets in that time in both the games that they needed to, and they scored the goal. I mean, yeah, that too. But also, like, uh, you need to keep in mind that Real Madrid have a game in hand against Barcelona, and they're already one point ahead. And if they wow. win that, if they win that, I don't see Barcelona coming back. Yeah, Real Madrid are too sturdy at, at this point in time to lose out on that lead. And also, All right. I, I never do this, but some credit has to go to Zidane. Thank you, thank you. Put some respect on the man's name. Uh, not a great tactical manager, but a great man manager. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Another great man manager uh, who uh, is the manager of the team that I've selected as my team of the week is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer of Man United, and it really hurts me to give them the team of the week. But you know, they they deserve it since Pogba has come back into the team. Uh, the only problem that they really had was linking midfield and attack and creating some fluid football. And now they're playing better football than I've seen them play probably ever. At this point, I don't even care because all people have been talking about on our football groups is just United, United, and United. And <laughs> United is, is always going to be in the headlines because of 
the club but is this become finally because but, no no it's not because i finally do believe that ram not ram that sorry manchester united deserve the credit they're getting well i mean i if i can say something i'll just say i told you so because i told everybody bruno fernandes was going to be amazing Every, yeah even i knew that i said that too. just stop giving yourself so much credit okay i i uh, wanted spurs to sign him dude and spurs didn't pay which was a terrible decision yeah that was terrible he would have been and, the perfect replacement for christian eriksen and then the solder eriksen even worse yeah. yeah no they knew he was going to leave that's why they were lining up bruno but yeah when manchester united comes in into a bidding war with tottenham hotspur i think you know how it's going to go yeah they beat brighton 3-0 right um who oh, manchester united yeah they beat brighton uh, they started the week off by beating sheffield united 3-0 which is very impressive but equally i'm going to say that um uh, as good as a 3-0 against sheffield is that's probably the worst i've seen sheffield united play in a very very long time but credit goes to man united you know pogba even against the even against tottenham the first game after the restart where it was 1-1 pogba came on in the second half and he really did change the game because at that point it was pretty 50-50 on possession and balance of play but the entire second half it was just a barrage of attack after attack from man united so i think i think they completely deserve it i think they have been the form team this past week and uh, a special shout out probably to anthony marcial scored his first hat trick for manchester united and another ridiculous fact is that it's the first hat trick that a manchester united player has scored since robin van persie in 2013 that's that's a sad like i'm just sad at this point yeah but you have to understand that you know this probably would have happened earlier had other managers trusted anthony marcial with being the sole number 9 which you know he never was always the only one who's given him the shirt backed him given him a run in the team even when his uh, form's been up and down and it's paying it's it, it's it's reaping its rewards that choice yeah i mean respectable decision i'll give you that yeah all right so let's get on to the players of the week for both you and me who's your player of the week and i, I mean, think i already know a decent I mean, idea who this is considering your favorite league i mean obviously this was like one of the best games i've ever seen because i just love watching dortmund cry <laughs> it's like yeah. it's great it's like watching dortmund cry comes like second in the list after hamburg watching hamburg cry and i already saw this week so i saw both the teams i hate cry this week and it was proper amazing and <laughs> i cried because of andre kramer four goals against dortmund oh my god that and an out. incredible performance just yeah. incredible really amazing all right four goals against dortmund away he completely and the cheek and the cheek of him at a hat trick to take the penalty and do a no look penalty the cheek yeah yeah and you know? he did a no look penalty in like you know because like liverpool won the league and firmino used to play for half an hour yeah he, right after he went on toward and he tied roberto firmino but you know firmino scores no look tap-ins and empty goals i don't think firmino is going to be allowed to take a no look penalty anytime soon i mean also like they knew they weren't going to lose this game so i mean yeah, it's but still the the goal of him to do that you know had burkey saved it he was going to be all up in his face i also like i'm just i'm not saying this because i don't like dortmund but dortmund were quite terrible 
like they were they were quite bad like hoffenheim attacked through the middle of the entire game there was no variation to their play and dortmund still couldn't get started and dortmund just missed they had six chances from open play and none of them were even close to going in mm. they had and uh, what's more impressive 16 shots by hoffenheim four goals 25% conversion rate all by the same person yeah wow and He's the man Andre Kramaric he's played literally everywhere they've needed him to him to play to accommodate other people i mean he's you still re- banging it you remember this dude at the world cup oh my god like the world cup like this world cup was i think my favorite world cup even though italy and i think it, it was my favorite too because i think there was so many different overriding storylines in this one and ridiculous games i think we were really treated Yeah, I mean Croatia like basically I just thought as a joke that Croatia would get to the final when it started because I was just supporting Croatia because Mandzukic is like one of my favorite players. I mean, he plays in the Middle East now so eh, but I was like listen yeah. I'll just support them because of Mandzukic. And yeah. they actually made it to the final. And I was like what the hell is going on? Yeah, and Kramaric was a huge part of that. Kramaric was a huge part of that. Rebic was a huge part of that. And Parasic, I mean, you can give some credit also. And really this good. is this is why, this is why I say that your performance in the Premier League does not dictate how good of a player you are. This happened with Kamaris. This happened with Thalvan. This happened with so many players. Yeah. And, and I like you know when I call them PL snobs. When PL snobs come up to like continental European fans or like MLS fans or something like that, and they're like, oh, they can't, they couldn't possibly be good in the Premier League. I just find that to be bullshit, dude. Like that just means that you don't watch football properly, or you have no exposure outside your league. And yeah, it's it's quite a shallow statement, but it can be correct to some extent. As far as grammar is concerned, I just don't think that move was at the right time in his career under the right manager. If he was playing under the Leicester now, I think he'd be incredible. Yeah, I mean, he would be incredible anywhere. Like, yeah, I, you need to give grammar credit. Like this guy is carrying half an hour. And he got so many offers; he still didn't leave Hoffenheim. Yeah, he did. That's yeah, that's absolutely great. He's uh, he was a player who went from the Premier League to the Bundesliga, and my player of the week is a player who went from the Bundesliga to the Premier League. It's Chelsea's Christian Pulisic. Uh, oh, that guy, Dortmund. Yeah, guy. I mean he's been uh, he's been on fire since the race started. He scored against Aston Villa. And then three days later, he scored against Chelsea. He scored against Man City. Uh, pardon me, and that was an incredible goal. Pounced on an opportunity, a, a mix-up at the back from Mendy and Gundogan, and just ran the length of the pitch and had to score in a pretty tight angle against Ederson. And he did that too. And then he followed that up with last night getting two assists in, albeit a defeat for Chelsea. But again, oh, he was at the center of the play. Oh, that was such a good game! Like, I am so happy for West Ham right now. I'm yeah, I mean, uh, there you would expect a club with players of that quality to, you know, not be relegation, you know, contenders. And I, I think with that win, they have a decent chance of staying up. I mean, they didn't even play Philippe Anderson, and Haller isn't playing anyways. So yeah, that's like pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, pretty impressive. I, I mean, I like West Ham because I really like their women's team. Yeah, it it wouldn't be like great for them to get relegated. So I was wishing that they survive. If they survive, that's nice. Like, I mean, yeah, 
I don't really care that much, but like if they do survive, I would much rather like Bond Myth go down than you know. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, as far as uh, Chris and Pulisic is concerned, I think Lampard's system is it doesn't exactly suit what he's been historically very good at. He's been someone who's great on the counter attack. He was devastating at Dortmund with Dembele on the other wing and Aubameyang down the center. Like that's just a frightening thought now if those three linked up. But he's really improved on his uh, close control game, his passing under Lampard, and he puts together some great moves. And I remember the goal against Aston Villa was just a great move in general. Yeah, I mean, there there is a lot of talent coming out of the United States. Like, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sergio Dest at Ajax is a fantastic player. Uh, Reina at uh, Dortmund. Giovanni Reina, yeah, yeah. who um, who. West- uh, uh, Erling Haaland, you know, it was hilarious. He said in the post-match conference, in a, in the press conference, we call him the American Wonder Kid. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, we have uh, yeah, Western McKenney here, Ch- Ch- Schalke as well. So yeah, and, and like I think I'm the only one in like our footballing circle that watches the MLS, and like the quality's gotten a lot better over the years. It's a lot of fun to watch. And, and the MLS in general as a league is now producing better players. You see Alfonso Davies coming out of there and excelling at Bayern I mean, Munich. Also, like Miguel, due to a tactical change. Miguel Almiron, who you're saying Miguel is Almiron. a fantastic player. Joseph Martinez. So they have they have got great talent there. Yeah, no doubt. I would love for Martinez to come to Europe because I know he would tear it up. But then again, Atlanta, Atlanta are never going to get uh, make Martinez leave because... That guy has made Atlanta what I think is the second best club in MLS history. Like this Atlanta yeah. team is the second best team in MLS history by far. And if there's anyone who is winning the CONCACAF Champions League at any point, like the first MLS club to ever win the Champions League, it's going to be Atlanta. Yeah, they've created a fantastic fan base over there in uh, Atlanta United. So have LA. But Very interesting to see. Yeah. So I have LA, but LA aren't a great team. Atlanta are actually a great team. Yeah, good squad building. All right, so with uh, Christian Pulisic wrapping up my player of the week, uh, let's get on to the young player spotlight. All right, now on to the young player spotlight, who this week we're going to give to a player who last night had an incredible performance against Chelsea. It's... Uh, Central defensive midfielder for West Ham is Declan Rice. I mean, it's been such a long time that this credit has been due to this kid. This guy's been amazing. For yeah, like, there was, there was a time where he came up and then it he was there, he was in the spotlight. But then because of West Ham's overall team performances, his, uh, the publicity on him, the hype around him died down. Uh, he had five tackles yesterday, I mean, oh no, he had, he had an incredible game. He had uh, I have the stats from last night's game. He had a ninety percent pass accuracy. He had twenty two forward passes. He had eleven ball recoveries, five tackles out of five, a hundred percent success rate, and he had three clearances. So completely controlling the center of the park with the cap- captain's armband as well. And he's also an academy product. Keep that in mind. And he's also really he's, young. Uh, he's, he's not their academy product. He was bought from Chelsea's academy. Actually? 
That's yep. that makes that makes this even sweeter for West Ham. Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, him and Mason Mount are best friends. They were. He was not given a scholarship at the age of sixteen, and West Ham signed him when he was free at that point. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah, I mean, but when when you see the kind of player he is, you see why players like him and I just mentioned Mount have these pairs could be the future of the England midfield, because they have qualities which I believe nobody in the golden generation of English players, you know, the 2005 era team had, you know, and in that team, there wasn't someone who could perform great as a forward attacking midfielder. And there wasn't someone like Rice who could be a destroyer and supplier for other people in the midfield. The difference is like players, like uh, players in the golden generation couldn't gel together. All right. Yeah, and also because it was a very midfield-heavy generation. If you look at the one that's coming into England now, there's a lot more quality distributed well across the entire team. They have great attackers of different skill sets. They've got great midfielders now of different skill sets. You have Phil Foden's, Mason Mounts, and then you have the Hendersons and, you know, Barclays. And then you have the Rice-type midfielder who can, you know, play behind all of those kind of players. Like the when I've seen Rice play, he like you know reminds me a lot of defensive midfielders in the Bundesliga. Like it seems like a very German-oriented defensive style. You know what like Germany were known for for a yeah, very long. Yeah, but you you can say that because I can see why you're saying that because he has the physique and how he wins the ball and distributes. It's very like. Yeah, uh, I see. I see Javi Martinez from Schalke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I can see why you're saying that. But equally, I think this guy is so much more athletic. He has a better recovery pace. He's good at a few different things, and that's why I think he's a very good all-round midfielder, who still deserves for that hype. You know, keep going on him. Yeah, and I think yesterday one of the main things that like West Ham did well was forward passing, and this guy was very, very. He was completely good. at the center of it. Yeah, he had. And- Two key passes in the game, too. He had 100% successful dribbles. I mean, this, he is a pretty all-around midfielder. And also, Chelsea had like 71% possession. So, they had to do the most of when they got the ball. And yeah, the midfield, absolutely. The midfield is like very important for that, for quick build-ups of playing. And I mean, when you consider his age, which is why we put him into the young player spotlight, he's 21. So, I think him... He could be a fantastic midfielder to get the experience now in the team because he plays a role that no other midfielder can play as well as him. And he can bring that experience and be the experienced head over the players like Bukayo Saka and Mason Greenwood and Jaden Sanchos, who are also going to be betting into the team for the next 10 years. I would hate for him to, like, you know, go to a drop bigger, off. Yeah. No, go to a bigger club because, like, he no, I, I, I think he absolutely warrants the move. If you can see, I can completely imagine that Chelsea, when uh, Kante is too old and needs to be phased out of the team or his wage needs to be pulled off, I can completely see them going back in for Declan Rice. And that's going to be a move that he's going to want because of you know how we just talked about him being a former Chelsea a- a- Academy player. Yeah, that's true. But like, he's been given so much respect at West Ham and so much love by West Ham fans. Uh, yeah, but that love and respect only goes so far. You know, he's been given the armband, and most of this, uh, most of the time, when you see that happening, it's it's an attempt by a club to persuade a talent to stay. You know, Arsenal, either whether or not that's what they meant to do, they are probably going to do it with Kieran Tierney at some point because of the kind of player he is. 
they've done it with Aubameyang now, and I'm assuming in bid to keep him. We've done it, you know, pretty hilariously in some ways with some players who confirmed that they were going to leave the next season, still gave it to them. Robin Van Persie, Cesc Fabregas's, but yeah, when you look at Declan Rice, this kid is ready to go straight to the top. And also, like him getting another year under his belt before the Euros next year is also great because I think that increases his chances of actually starting at the Euros. Yeah, and yeah, absolutely. If, and if these young players actually play at the Euros, I don't think an Iceland is happening anytime soon. You like don't England, think what is ha- happening anytime soon? I don't think an Iceland scenario. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, th- I think this team has more grit, more overall quality and different kinds of players. That team was very lopsided and just the management in that uh, Euro tournament was terrible. You saw the performance at the World Cup. They reached the semi-final in their first attempt with Southgate. Yeah, exactly. And like South, Southgate's, Southgate's been good. Like I didn't expect him to be this good. He's been great. Yeah, absolutely. And with the person of Declan Rice's overall profile, someone who puts up five tackles and interceptions and 1.5 dribbles uh, per game for a team like West Ham. Uh, I mean, he's pretty much the second best defensive midfielder in the league by a statistic behind uh, Wilfred and Didi. He's got the second most tackles by a midfielder this this season. Yeah, definitely. Actually, yeah, I-, I take that back. After last night, he's actually gone one above uh, Wilfred and Didi as the player with the most tackles from midfield in the Premier League. I mean, this just speaks volumes to the quality he already has at 21 years old. Yeah, and I think like people need to pay more attention to this guy, and which is why we put him in our young player spotlight. And guys, with West that- Ham, West Ham is a great team for him. I mean, it, they've got a lot of great players, even in midfield. As Mark Noble gets phased out, I think Declan Rice uh, could be, you know, someone who could stay there for a very long time. Even though I hope that he gets a move to a team which is more in line with his ambitions. That's true. And with that comes the end of the podcast. Uh, do comment down below if there is anything you guys want us to discuss. Do give us feedback. We always appreciate it. We're really sorry that this episode came out a little bit late. We'll make sure <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry it. for that one. And uh, we'll try to be more consistent. Hopefully, the lounge podcast will be out in the next week or so as well. Yeah, see you guys soon.